0: This is Joanna Decellis, editor of Club and Resort Chef. In this episode of Club and Resort Talks, sponsored by Prosciutto di Parma, we're chatting with Steve Boutin, executive chef of Brooklawn Country Club in Fairfield, Connecticut. Chef has only been with Brooklawn for a few months, and while it has been challenging, he is no stranger to hard work thanks to the strong work ethic instilled in him by his uncle. His strategy through quarantine and beyond has been to keep menus simple and refined, and to run dishes that resonate with members. He's also finding new, socially distant ways to connect with his new membership through blogs and recipes. Thanks for joining us today, Chef. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you are at Brooklawn Country Club. How long have you been there?
1: The Monday after Easter I started and then we had COVID.
0: (laughs) That's a heck of a time to start a new job. How's it been going?
1: (laughs) Actually, the members been great. We've been doing takeout and that's been super busy. Um, We've been doing outside dining and luckily the weather's been cooperative and and so, a la carte's been super busy. And it's been a challenge, but we're doing okay.
0: But this isn't your first club. You've been in clubs for quite some time, correct?
1: Yes, yeah, since 1997.
0: Okay, so what's, kind of tell us about your background. Where did you come from, and how did you end up at Brooklawn?
1: Well, I first started out uh, at the Golf Club of Avon back in 1997. It was my first club. I just came off of working with my uncle, who opened up a restaurant prior to that. So coming to a country club, just, you know, I just knew Italian cuisine uh, was kind of uh, challenging. But, you know, being 22, maybe at the time, 23, you know, I was looking forward to something to broaden my my career. So uh, I went there and it was a great impact uh, golf club of avon they uh i remember the first week a waitress asked me could i do something for a member and i said the word no and the chef came running out into the kitchen and uh he said we don't know that word
0: that's the last Kentucky time Clark. you ever said no right
1: <laughs> and pretty much that's, <laughs> i mean that's that i mean that's stuck with me, I got this AI right here in front of me on my desk. I still carry it to this day. He wrote the word "attention to detail." The quick story on that: he 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 loved my raviolis, and uh, he told me to make a ravioli dish for the first course for a New Year's Eve dinner. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So I made it pretty large. So you know, i was freaking one per person. He goes, we're gonna we're gonna have about 250 guests. So I'm like, okay. So I always make a little extra. So I made like 275. He was on the other side of the kitchen and he just kept on saying, we need more ravioli. We need more ravioli. I looked at the sous chef. I'm like, I'm like, I'm I only got like 20 left. I go, how many plates does he need? So he goes around the other side. And he goes, Steve, uh, they're not even halfway through. He was putting two raviolis on a plate and I wasn't even aware so what'd you do? I, I we we went into the freezer and we just took every single type of ravioli we had. <laughs> it was cheese, one has spinach, uh there was butter squash. Uh he, it was embarrassing for him, but it was like it was really super embarrassing for me. So the next day on my station there was a there was a sheet. I looked at this sheet and it says big words, underline, explanation point, attention to detail.
0: How has that kind of guided you as you make menus, as you take on new roles? What's, what's the, how does that philosophy kind of help shape what you do?
1: Working with him, his name was uh, Chef Andy Hughes. Um, he was really a great inspiration. Uh, one day I was just complaining about there was nothing, there was no product to use to do specials. And uh, he said, "Okay." So he walked me to the cooler, and he locked me in the cooler. And he said, "Don't come out until you get three specials." So I knocked on the door. I said, "I got three specials." He goes, "I want to hear them." So I, I told him, and then he comes into the cooler with me, and he then he locks it. And then he goes, "You gotta utilize everything you have in house. You gotta be creative. Uh, you just can't go." purchasing food purchasing food purchasing food you'll end up being bankrupt if you own a place because you gotta learn to you know think outside the box you gotta take what you have available and create something you keep it simple my uncle always says it's it's the art of flavor it's not the art of culinary it's the art of flavor his philosophy was flavor first and then presentation, everything else is, is secondary. All my dishes, flavors is there. And the flavor is what's gonna bring members back.
0: What's your favorite dish on the menu right now?
1: Believe it or not, I sell about 20 pounds of octopus a week.
0: Oh really, how do you prepare it?
1: I take the tentacles off. And if, they're, if it's long enough, I usually give them one whole one. If it's short, I give them like one and a half. I sous vide it in the bag. I put a uh, whole garlic, uh, a shallot, and some duck fat. I don't season it. Suve so, for for uh, 170 degrees for about five and a half hours. And then uh, it gets seasoned, and then the char grilled, really quick. While that's char grilling, uh, I prepare uh, sautéed kale, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, uh, garlic, sl- a sliver garlic, shallots, hot pepper flake, olive oil. I add some uh, diced pancetta to that. Basically, I put that in the bowl, and then in the middle of the bowl, I uh, make some Arabiata sauce, which is like a spicy roasted red pepper tomato sauce. I place the uh, octopus on top, and then I just do dots of chimichurri on it. So it's a, it's a Portuguese spin to it.
0: Now, did that dish, is that something you came up with, or did that come from your uncle? Where did the, no, the origin on it?
1: That was just something that, we, I had kale in house. I had penchetta in house. I was going to put octopus on, and the following week I was going to take it off. Now, back when I worked in the Hartford Golf Club, I did it in like a Thai version. It sold, but it, it didn't sell like it's selling here. So I figured that, you know, I didn't want to put like raw kale. So maybe I saw if I sauteed it, like spinach, it all, it all came together. I sell it. Like I said, twenty pounds a week. It's, it's. You never take it off the menu. No, I. <laughs> what's there's, there's a lo- you know what's, It's so funny. Is there's like a lot of things that that just keep on selling. That I can't. I want to take it off, but I, I just can't because I don't want to. I don't want to get the, hear the Right, feedback, you're still the you know? new
0: guy. You got to play <laughs> it safe.
1: <laughs> oh, totally, totally playing it safe.
0: Give us the lay of the land at Brooklyn. How many members do you have there?
1: We're just shy of 400. There's a uh, a main dining room, there's a, a pub room, and there's the patio. Actually, um, they were supposed to do an entire dining room renovation starting this October. And obviously with COVID, because uh, we lost so much business in the beginning that they pers- postponed that to um, labor day 2021 so next year it's going to be a whole new dining room area a whole new patio some parts of the kitchen are is going to be uh renovated but it's not much i'm really looking forward to that
0: so are you changing menus weekly
1: weekly yes uh, except for staples we got this awesome crab cake uh octopus i do like a simply grilled section i always say about of the menu stays the same and then I just change about 30% of it on a weekly basis.
0: What about with COVID? So how has that changed what you're doing (laughs) with your menus and the operation, really?
1: We tend to use just one menu for one menu for takeout, like curbside, uh, one menu for a la carte. We're not doing any banquets. We're doing very small, um, like today I have one uh, golf outing for like, 20 people they have a box lunch that they take with them the and then that's all they're having today is like hors d'oeuvres but all the hors d'oeuvres are are plated not passed for themselves so they get one whole plate of hors d'oeuvres but you came
0: to Brooklyn right in the middle of all this <laughs> so has yeah,
1: actually, you
0: kind of like jumped right into the fire there so has it been I mean, is it, do you see a light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel? Or how are you kind I, of approaching this now? I,
1: I, it's, a, it's almost a month-to-month thing. Like, when I first came on, it was the Monday after Easter. And I think I just wrote, like, curbside menus for, like, I think, like, three weeks straight. And then our first day wasn't until when we opened just for takeout was mother's day we slowly opened up the patio i think it was the end of may and then the pool opened up a couple of weeks after that um but it's been different like we're we um we're still like social distancing in the kitchen in all our kitchens actually the pool kitchen of uh, the main kitchen that's been kind of tough i mean just to stay aware. So I'm talking from a distance. We're all wearing masks and gloves and going through so many gloves. I want to be positive about it. So, I mean, we offer in in the indoor dining, but no one's really, no one's really taken that opportunity to dine inside yet because we have, we have a a patio, but it's actually like a a porch, if you want to say more of a pit. So there's there's a roof over it, so it's not like tents. I mean, it's not like a, an umbrella. So they can actually sit outside even when it's raining and not, you know, get soaked on.
0: How many people can you sit out there?
1: On a regular basis, we could can, we can see 125 maybe. And then during COVID, that's 70 now.
0: Are you requiring reservations?
1: Yeah, we we do reservations only, no walk-ins. We take four reservations every half hour, up to six people at a table. Uh, Members are required to wear masks, but when they sit down, obviously they could take it off. It's been great. I mean, it's been, we've been booked, you know, from 5.30 to 8.30, Wednesday through Sunday, so, I mean, a la carte dining at, at, at nighttime, it's, it's bad, even lunch, even lunch could get pretty busy too. So, a lunch is the only time they, they don't have to make a reservation because it's usually quick.
0: So how have, as you know, you've been in clubs for a long time and it's really important for the chef to create that rapport with the member and show your face and be part of <laughs> the front of house. How, how do you do that given all the challenges of COVID?
1: Coming to Brookline, that was one of my goals to be more present to the members because in the years past, especially I I came, but Hartford has like almost 1,100 members and I was never able to, I was just too busy to go out and make relations with membership, with the members and uh, coming here, that was one of my goals. I said, I have to get out more often. I have to meet the members. I have to, you know, do whatever it takes. And with this COVID thing, yeah, I, I wear a mask and staying six feet away to when I go out there. But I also do, I, actually, I also do a Wednesday weekly blog and I talk about everything. I talk about, well, mostly food, obviously, but I talk about my family thing. I talk, I always talk about my uncle, my, you know, inspirations in my life. Um, and then at the end of it, I give a, a nice, easy, quick recipe they could do f- and for, the, for the evening or for whenever. And I get, I get great feedback.
0: So what's next? What do you, where do you think you'll go with Brooklawn? What's, what's the future hold for you and for your career?
1: My ultimate goal, and people think I'm crazy, is to own my own place. Um,
0: Would it be Italian?
1: No, because you know what? Because when I went to the Golf Club of Avon, I learned so many cuisines. I learned Indonesian, Chinese, German, uh, the Jewish cuisine. I learned like everything. And then, and then that just helped me throughout my career, you know, working at the Cinderberry Inn and, and, and Hartford Golf Club. I mean, that just, that's just it won't, it'd be more like Mediterranean, if you want to, if you really had to put a spin on, like, I'm, I'm all about like comfort food. I'm a big comfort food person. Um, I'm a big, uh, I take classical dishes and put my own spin on them. Um, So pretty much anything like my uncle taught me, I just put my own little tweak it it into it. And he kind of like rolls his eyes. I was just gonna say,
0: how does he feel about that? Yeah,
1: he kind (laughs) of rolls his eyes on some things. Like, Like he taught me like, I remember him teaching me gnocchis and I'm saying to myself, there's gotta be an easier way than than, the, than how he does it. And I would go home and make batches of gnocchi so many different ways, so many different ways. And then I'm like, I got it, you know? I, I finally figured out how to make gnocchis better than my uncle. And he never had them until maybe last, I brought, I, no, I invited them last Christmas. And I had gnocchis and he looked at me and he's like, wow, he goes, these are actually, he, he gave me a compliment. because wow, this is actually really good. That's amazing. Like, well, thank you very much. I know. I know. He's <laughs> graduated, like congratulations. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, congratulations. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. Thank you for your acceptance. That man, I mean, I get a emo- like, I don't know if you can hear my voice, but I get like really emotional when I think about him. When my dad passed away, when I was like 15, He really came into my life and he pushed me. Like he really pushed me. I just needed someone, I needed that father figure at that young childhood. He just took me under his wing. He was the Italian Gordon Ramsay on me every single time. The first day I worked with him on the line, I was 15 years old. This little restaurant called Mr. D's Italian restaurant. He was the executive chef there. And it was just three of us on the line, on the hotline. I never worked, I never worked the hotline a day in my life. My first task was, he goes here, I need 25 slices of provolone. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty simple. I go on the slicer, I slice on the, slice in provolone. I'm counting, 23, 24, 25, and my thumb goes into the slicer. Oh, it was bad. So I mean I still have my thumb. So it wasn't that bad that's good. It that's was, good. <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was it was a good cut. So I I I'm holding off onto my thumb wear a towel for dear life. I look right at him. I said, "Uncle hanch I got to go." And this was a Friday night. We had like 225 well, I think 225 reservations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, he looked at me and in Italian he said, Bleep! No, he says you're gonna tape it up, and you're gonna get on the line. So I was looking for gauze. I think I had some masking tape and some duct tape. I put a glove on, and I worked with him side by side, banged it out. At the end of the night, just the three of us. this one guy working saute. My uncle was working the middle and the grill, I was helping on the grill, I was doing the coal side, and I was doing fry, and he, at the end of it all, he pulled me to the side, and, and he said, and I'll never forget to say, do you think you could just leave your team like that? We had 225 reservations, how the hell do you think that was gonna be with two guys? let alone with three guys. And he goes, You better think long and hard if you wanna stay in this career. He goes, You're gonna miss weddings, birthdays, special events. Your wife is gonna be pissed off at you. He goes, Aunt Connie is always pissed off at me. because I miss a lot of things. He goes, If you don't if you don't want that, you better change occupations. And, I, and he but He's saying this in a more like, like a father, like a father just, you know, is like really like scolding his, his son, you know, he's yeah. really like putting it to me. And I got tears coming out of my eyes. I mean, it was like, so I go home and my mom's like, what happened? And I'm like, well, I cut my thumb and I told the whole story. And uh, I told, you know, what my uncle said. And she kind of, like, just shrugged her shoulders. She goes, if you want it, listen to him. So I slept on it, and the next day I went back, and I didn't say nothing. I just, I didn't say nothing. I just consumed everything that he said. And, And I just listened. I just kept my head down, and I just worked. And it worked, and it worked, and it worked. I sacrificed. I, you know when I went to a golf club of Avine and, and chef Andy Hughes said, I, can you work? I, I always said, yes, yes, yes. I could work. You know, even if I wasn't scheduled, yes. The answer was yes, yes. Always. Yes. Yes. And then when I became the the executive chef at the Sinsbury Inn, you know, it was my first chef job. I mean, I wanted to touch like, I wanted to see all the plates. I wanted to make sure everything was perfect. I didn't want like no complaints. I, so I wanted, I was so, anal. You know, I was there day in, day out. It took a toll. I took a toll on my kids. Um, definitely took a toll on my family life. Um, but I, I, I look back on that now and I'm, and I'm I'm going to be 46 this year and I, and I say, was it worth it? Would I do it again? Yes. Because I love, I love what I do.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chef, and for sharing your story with
1: us. Absolutely. For more podcasts, check out our site, clubandresortchef.com.